Welcome back to the Design Life Podcast. I'm your host, Max Cohen, and it is so, so good to be back. Today, we're getting to the root of design education, how we learn to solve problems, mix functionality with aesthetic, and create original ideas using nothing but the fundamentals. We're joined by Jonathan Williams, a DDES student and educator working in New York. Jonathan is currently researching how something as simple as tying a knot can transform how we approach design from an early age. Whether you're creating something as intricate as a Celtic knot or just tying your shoelaces, Jonathan believes that a single piece of string can be a powerful lesson in designing with intention. We will also be talking about the concept of object-based learning and the challenges of tactile teaching in a digital space. Thanks for joining us. You are now listening to Design Life. Jonathan, thank yes. you for joining us. Of course. Let's let's dive into your research a little bit. You know, when I when I spoke to the head of the program, Ellen, you know Ellen yeah, very well. Ago. But for for those who are listening, uh, Ellen Deming is the head of the Doctor of Design program here at NC State, and uh, she mentioned that your focus. You have a you have a very interesting background in uh, uh, statistics. Yeah, and you ended up going into design from statistics. Now, tell me a, a little bit about that transition, like how you got from mathematics to a design program. Yeah, for sure. I so in undergrad, I was a math major. Um, I think people gravitate to things that they're good at, right? So in high school, I was always good at math, right? So it made sense that I was going to be um, a math major. There was there was one course that I took um, in my undergraduate career. It was a course on creativity and innovation. And there were a couple of weeks in that course on design thinking. And I remember just like being like really into those weeks of content that, that we went through. And it, ultimately afterwards, I ended up going to getting a master's degree in design, right? I think I kind of saw that, there's a way that you can be analytical and still be a designer and kind of putting those together is a really powerful combination. Like, I mean, in math itself, like, like a standard normal curve is just like a really beautiful thing to look at. Um, and design, I was also really interested in like, what is a great form of thing, right? So there's, there's a lot of parity there. And I think even when I was a math major, there were colleagues of mine that were really interested in the theory side of math. And I was always really interested in the application side of math, which I think statistics is kind of like the workhorse of the mathematic discipline, right? Like there, whether you're a psychologist or a biologist, right? Lots of people engage with statistics. I was always into the applied side. Designers, super into having the things that they make used, right? So there's a lot of parallels between uh, like the beauty that I was seeing, I think, in the statistical work, the application of that and then I actually found a home and design to do that kind of uh, do that kind of work and kind of mesh them together um, my career though has been uh, very much a, a mashup of those two pieces um, so I've worked in learning experience design and most of my time has been spent designing like math curriculums uh, or teaching people uh, intro statistics uh, kind of on uh, you know everything from uh, large open online courses to small intimate seminar style courses that I've uh, been able to design uh, but really taking my 
content expertise in math and statistics, so I can communicate that and translate that in, into a way that learning experiences are actually enjoyable uh, for people that are taking courses uh, all over the world uh, with, with some of the programs I've designed. It seems like your your passions really lie in in that intersection of like, you know, making sure that what you're doing is completely intentional, right? And also having that be applicable to, you know, what would eventually be like either everyday uses or even like niche uses. Um, where did the knots come in? Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, yeah. So, I mean, intentionality is really important, right? I think that's a, a driver for me. And my research on knot tying, knots are really intentional too, right? Like uh, if you're tying your shoe, you're intentionally tying a very certain type of knot uh, to, to tie your shoe. Or if you're uh, a sailor, uh, you're intentionally tying a certain type of knot that's going to keep your cells uh, up. Or if you're a surgeon in a hospital and you're closing a wound, that's an intentional type of knot as well. Um, and the world of knotting, like, so this like intentionality or like commodity dimension that there's a functional uh, use case that's applied to certain knots, um, you know, really resonates. It's not that every knot has to be functional. There's some really beautiful knots that you can uh, tie and create um, that are not functional from, from the sense of like, they're not going to hold anything together. They might be great to look at um, and they might be beautiful to, to kind of see, but they're, they're not functional uh, in, in any way than being decorative. Um, so there, I think there's a deep embedded uh, intentionality in nodding um, that also is such a gateway to the discipline of design, right? That, um, you know, one, that's one of the earliest tactile experiences that children have is learning to tie their shoes, right? And so if we say that tying knots uh, is a gateway to design, well, all children are learning to be designers when they tie their shoes, right? They're learning about the functional use of the, the knot. They're learning about if you don't make the crossing correct, well, the knot kind of falls apart, that the, the construction of it is not sound. Um, and then when they tie it correctly, they get to see the beauty of it sitting on their uh, foot when they've, they've tied it correctly, right? So it's really knotting becomes this gateway to something that I think is more critical about design uh, in terms of how we think about just design products in general. So that's, that's really interesting. Did you, for, for researching, did you have sort of like this aha moment where you were like, I, there's something so fascinating about knots. Like I need to, I need to go further into that. Yeah. Well, and I can't say that I actually started at the point of like knots are cool. Let's study knots. Right. I think at knots, they, they kind of found me in, in a way I, um, the, so I've been designing learning experiences for quite a while. And a lot of those learning experiences have been digital. And I've always felt that there's something just like digital learning feels flat after years and years of looking at it. Cause it's videos, it's questions, it's, it's really flat experiences. So I was very much interested in like, well, what does a non flat learning experience look like in a digital setting, right? And so there's this notion of object-based learning where you actually use objects to, to learn through them, right? And using an object to learn most often means that you touch it. It implies that there's like a tactile layer um, to, to the education that's being provided. So um, through kind of my readings in this space, there was a, 
a book, Evocative Objects, uh, written by uh, Sherry Turkle. Um, and in that book is kind of this collection of people writing about different objects in their lives that mean something to them. Um, so one of the essays in that book was uh, by uh, a lady, Carol Strohecker. She's, um, I believe she's a dean at a design school now, um, but she wrote about knots. Uh, and it was, it's like a really short essay, but it's so beautiful. Uh, she taught knot tying to, to kids during her time at MIT uh, in her uh, kind of studies. Um, and she tells a story about a, a student, Jill, who's like going through some things at home and kind of like uses knot tying as a way to um, express those emotions um, and talk through kind of like the struggles and the tensions in her life. It's just really beautiful that those knots became this mechanism for Jill to express herself, right? So I read that essay and I was like, wow, like I haven't thought about knots in that way. And also there are so many permutations, combinations of knots that's really deep um, and that becomes a gateway, right? So again, it became a gateway for Jill to talk about her life, her, you know, she was reflecting on what was going on, uh, but it's also a way for us to reflect on uh, other things in life and, be, and that's so critical to, to design practice. So that, that was kind of my journey to knots. And um, I also think I was drawn to knots as well with my math background, right? They're like knot theory is a thing, right? They're mathematicians that just study knots, right? So there is this computational layer to knotting um, that is appealing. There's a way to synthesize uh, the knots that are created uh, kind of on a mathematical level that that's really appealing. Not that that's as important for designers, but I think that having uh, the ability to really codify, like this is the knot that I made, this is how I document it in kind of a mathematically rigorous way um, is appealing to, to be able to do that too. Next big question, possibly the most important question. Do you have a favorite kind of knot in terms of either aesthetic or in terms of application? Yeah, and I, well, I, I answer this in two ways. The students that I've tied knots with, they have a favorite knot that I tie with them. It's called the donut knot. Um, you kind of, you take your hand and you loop some uh, rope around it, and then you take that kind of circle that's been developed, and then you loop around uh, that the circle that was created around your hand. So you get this like really meaty, it looks, it actually looks like a donut, right? And students love that knot um, because one, it looks like something that they know um, and it really only takes a couple, you know, that you're just looping. Like it's just a continual layer of loops. So there's kind of one procedural way of creating the knot um, that, that students really latch on to. So that's, I would say, the student's favorite knot. One of my favorite knots is uh, it's a, a Celtic knot. Uh, it, it's a flat knot. It's a mat. Uh, so it's, uh, it's low profile. It's kind of rectangular shaped um, as well. Um, and you can make them really big or really small, right? And I think that I like it because you can play with the scale of it. Um, I, I have one sitting in my cabinet that's like massive, right? You could like serve dinner on it, right? So it's like a really, uh, really large. And they have another one that you can kind of hold within the palm of your hand. So I like it for the kind of the, the scale that you can get. And, and they look different because there's so much more material in them to, based on the size uh, on, on that front. But yeah, I like both of them. And one of the things about knots that I've learned is that people call them different things. Um, so like if anyone listening is Googling like a, a Celtic knot, you might get something completely different, right? I think um, people give knots really cool and weird names of so the donut knot. Some people might call it the O knot or, or whatever the kind of the, the clever name might be for, uh, for what people want to call it that day. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the donut knot that you uh, set as an example in your research, and the first thing that came to mind is like uh, when I was a kid, they had like the uh, those like squiggly shoelaces. Um, yes, for the for for our sneakers, right? And they were just like so springy and so bouncy, but um, you know, it, I think a lot of that had to go back to sort of like that tactile experience, not just like, oh, hey, these things are squiggly looking, but it's like, oh, you know, it feels different in your hand, right? It makes something a bit more interesting, a little bit more engaging. Um, and so, you know, thinking back to sort of like that, that tactile learning experience, right? So what, uh, from your research, like what kind of role does that tactile element have yeah well i think my argument is that tactile uh you know the the tactile sense is just as as important as any other sense in like creating a great learning experience i think um there's some work uh in in the space where you know i think we're our culture today has trained our eye to be the dominant sense that we we see this like graphic medium like coming at us really quickly. And it's all about how quickly can we interpret something visually. But I think that the the layer of tactility is important to, to start to engage. Um, there's an uh, an author, Plasma, the, he, he wrote the book, The Eyes of the Skin. He kind of makes the, the argument that, well, touch and tactility is like the original sense. The skin is the original sense. And even things like our eyes, well, our eyes are just skin too. So therefore we're touching with our eyes, right? So it kind of flips the narrative of well, what's the dominant sense on its head? Well, if we're touching something with our eyes, um, then touch becomes this primary sense that we, uh, that we operate through. Um, but, but tactility is so important and we engage with it in ways that we don't even realize we're instinctually engaging with something. So um, I like to call these like procedural ways of touching things. Um, so when we're tying a knot together, uh, if we want to grab a rope and pull it, like we typically like wrap our hand around the rope and we pull it through. We don't use our pinky finger to do that, right? It just doesn't make sense that we have this kind of tactile uh playbook in our minds that we're constantly applying that playbook to, to whatever it might be in front of us. Um, but I think when we start to bring that to the surface and talk about it, it becomes really hard to talk about touch because uh, we don't think about like we can very easily look at something and describe what we're seeing, uh, but it becomes even harder to uh, talk about what we're touching right so with with not tying i like to have students talk about the material that they're touching right is their rope uh you know uh, springy is it soft is it rough like what what does that look like and we start to not only map uh the kind of playbook of tactile motions that they're taking but with a vocabulary around tactility so that they can start to express uh, what they're seeing what they're feeling and i think that is a critical component of design that you're able to articulate uh, kind of the setting that you're operating in and what you're seeing and what you're touching uh, to, to make that public to, to you, to other designers or to a client maybe uh, in the future. Taking that tactile education and then translating that to a digital space, that's got to be extremely challenging, especially with, you know, children ages like 10 to 15. I can only imagine like a lot of issues with, you know, trying to one, keep, keep them engaged. Right. But also sharing those experiences of what it's like to work through these problems using knots. 
Um, what's your experience been? I never really, so this work was very much born during the time of COVID. So I, you know, I can't, at this point, I can't really imagine uh, a tactile experience not happening except on Zoom, right? Because that's kind of the only context that I've really seen uh, kind of this not tying exercise and research kind of uh, be born in. Um, it's It's been a learning experience for me to figure out how to, correctly build experiences that are engaged on the tactile level, but also communicative of uh, kind of like what the the goals of the lesson might be, right? So one of the the elements has been to make sure that students, you need a material, right? To, for an experience to be tactile, you need material to do that. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's okay if students come to the first class without the textbook or whatever, right? It's kind of like, oh, you can get that at the next class. Well, if you, you come to a knot tying class without a material, you're gonna have a really hard time engaging in a in a tactile uh, experience. So one has been, do students have the correct materials? And we've improvised, right? So students, uh, it, it's hard to find uh, 12 feet of cotton rope, which is what I recommend that students come with. People have used like uh, cords, right? So like uh, power cords, right? Or headphones, right? As a way to start to engage, right? So it's like, you need a tactile medium to start, uh, to start exploring, right? So like when we set that foundation, it it becomes a little easier. Early on, when I started showing people how to tie knots over Zoom, the this, this seems trivial, but it's actually not camera angles and mirroring and reflections of like what they're seeing. If I'm saying you go left over right, and they're seeing me go right over left, and it's upside down, and you're a 10 year old, you're going to be very lost, uh, very, very quick. Uh, so kind of some modifications on my side to I have an overhead camera now that's positioned like directly like in the like, so you can see my hands from my point of view, uh, which is uh, made made life a lot simpler. Um, and then also even on the material front that I'm using. So I've started uh, color coding like the ends of my rope. So I'm not saying take the right over left, I can say, uh, take the blue side and cross it over the yellow side, right? So that there's uh, another and this is a graphic design element, there's another embedding of like a layer of information um, onto the rope itself, uh, to start to, to communicate what that uh, what that looks like. So it's been a learning journey for me to figure out how do you make something tactile uh, and put it in a digital space that's uh, meaningful. And it's also talking students through what does the designed product look like at the end of the day and how do you communicate that to me? Um, I've had students, they have drawn diagrams, they've taken pictures, they've recorded videos of like giving me like a, a show of the, what the knot is and they're kind of like, you know, rotating it around for, for me to see. And I, I think that all of those forms are really valid um, and that if anything, they're taking on like a designerly intuition to show their knots in the best way possible, like to show their design product in the way it was meant to be seen. Um, uh, so I'm I'm always excited to, to see that. And then there's the students that end up with um, a tangle is what I like to call it, that it, it's really not a knot. It is some rope that has some crossings in it that doesn't quite meet the objective of the knot. Um, so those are a little bit more difficult in the digital space where I'm like, you put the knot right in front of your camera and you show me every step that you're doing, right? So we take it uh, piece by piece. And sometimes students just don't get the knot, right? And I think that's okay as well, that there's uh, failure embedded in the process. And, um, you know, it's not satisfying every knot that you tie. You don't always get them right. I 
have a knot sitting in my cabinet that has been there for six plus months that I haven't been able to tie correctly, right? Is it because it's a particularly hard knot? Probably not. I just can't get the crossings to to come out right. And I think that, you know, having a 10-year-old be able to come to that realization that, you know, this isn't going to be perfect on the first attempt and it might take several tries or many months for me to get to that uh, is is valuable learning. And I think it's learning that uh, early designers uh, need to have uh, in, in a low stakes way of, you know, tying a knot. With teaching this in a digital space, do you, are there any plans to shift into an in-person setting for this right now, or is it still like a little too early to, to feel like you can make solid plans? Yeah, no, I'm, I think the, the research has to go there. Um, I think learning, great learning experiences know no boundaries if they're online or uh, in person. I'm, I'm planning on uh, some courses I'm teaching in the fall uh, to fully uh, do a section of the curriculum on knot tying, right? And those will be in-class uh, classes. Um, I'm already <laughs> planning on, you know, cutting up 25 pieces of rope for, for folks to, to have the kind of the same materials to, to work with. Um, so I definitely want to move it in that space. I think from my point of view, it'll be interesting to see, one, do the exercises that I've been using online, do they actually translate? Do, are they still meeting uh, some of the, the goals of, you know, are, are we teaching design uh, correctly to, to these folks as kind of their first introduction to the discipline? Um, or maybe they are able to accelerate through that, right? Because I can actually be there with them to correct, um, you know, an incorrect crossing or something like that. So, I, you know, I, I'm kind of excited to see what the possibilities are there to move it into a physical space um, and actually see students. The one thing digitally that's been really hard is for students to collaborate with each other. Um, and I think that becomes a little bit easier um, in a physical classroom that two students could work on a knot together that might be a really large knot uh, versus uh, everyone kind of working independently with their own materials. So it will be great for folks to actually share materials to be able to kind of riff on and build um, kind of in a more peer-to-peer learning setting. With the group of students that you've been working with, that age range, you know, you you consider them as uh, beginning designers. Tying knots, what makes that process special for them? Or what makes being a beginning design student special? Yeah. And I think that that question of like, well, what does knot tying do for beginning design students? I think that is kind of a nice summary of like the critical research question that I'm trying to, to answer. It's, um, I think there's value there. Am I able to enumerate that value and uh, describe it explicitly yet? I don't think so, um, but, but, but we'll hopefully get there. The thing that I do think is special, so beginning design students, um, there's been a lot of research on like what is beginning design and most of that research is focused on like the first undergraduate course in design so whatever the first kind of studio course that someone might take uh, when they embark on you know joining a college of design or uh, design at the university level i think my argument is that beginning design can start much earlier than that it can start much later than that when someone enters an mba program and takes a course on design thinking for them that's their beginning design course um, or a student working with me now, age 10, talking about design through knots, that's their beginning design course. And I think there's always a responsibility uh, when you teach the first class in any discipline to excite 
the students and to get them interested in your space, right? Um, those experiences are super formative. Um, and, and I think this comes from the time I've spent designing math curriculum. Like people either love math or they hate math. And it often stems from the earliest experiences that they had, like, you know, addition was really uh, a struggle or they didn't quite get it then. And I, and I think I map that to design that I don't want people to have this struggle with design in the way that they might have had that with math, right? And then they, they kind of, they turn against math for, for life and you don't need to do that, right? So I think beginning design is a, is a special moment to share with a student to, to show your uh, point of view on the, the discipline. And the thing that I like about knots is that it's approachable, right? And we kind of touched on that a, a little bit before in some of the other pieces, but knots are everywhere. Lots of people have tied them at different points in their life, so they seem really approachable, right? It's not like an abstract theory or formula. We can totally abstract them if we want to, but we don't have to start there. Um, and I think that a first toe in the water in a discipline, anything you can lean on prior knowledge of a learner to start to activate that conversation, helps to ease that transition. So if anything, beginning design is leaning uh, with knot tying is leaning on activating prior knowledge that a, that a learner might have with knot tying and then just like radically like opening that up to different possibilities. So with the students that you're working with, uh, going into that experience, do you think that as, from the from the perspective of a researcher, did you feel like there were any sort of reactions to this experience and learning design, the fundamentals of design through knot tying that were surprising to you or were just like unexpected, um, either with a particular student or with the students as a group? Yeah, I think some of the things that have been surprising uh, for me, um, maybe not so much on the, the part of like what they got from the experience, but what they didn't get from the experience with me. So some of the things that I've heard is that, you know, students, uh, they still feel like there's a lot to learn in design and they're not really sure how knots fit into that, right? So I think a lot of students are trained to think about like the design professions, right? That, you know, they want to go be an architect or they want to be an industrial uh, designer. And the question is like, well, how did knots actually help me get there? Um, so I think that's one thing that students, it has been a little surprising for me that they're so like focused on a career outcome, even at the the stage where I think they should be exploring, right? It's it's not about the the end game just yet, right? That there's a moment to kind of suspend um, some of that. Um, the other piece that um, has been surprising to me has just been the the depth of reflection that I've seen uh, in in students and their work. Um, students are really introspective about the knots that they create. Oftentimes they embed like many narratives within them that they're connecting uh, to, you know, a topic that they've talked about in another class or like another part of their study is that they're, they're actually making more connections than I ever thought they would be able to make connections with. Um, and they're, they're generating from that, which I think is the other surprising, uh, maybe not surprising. I think that's the goal of design is to be generative and knots can be generative, but it's always been really refreshing when students become generative in their own right um, with, uh, with the knots that they're creating. So an example of that, one of the students, we, uh, we tied a knot one week the next week she came back to our, our session and she was like, I have to show you something. And uh, she pulled out this like, construction and it looked like an octopus, right? So there was like this weird knot at the top and it had like tentacles flowing off of it. Like we did not create 
the octopus knot as a as a class right so she designed this knot that she called the octopus knot and she had like put a nail in the wall where she had like hung the octopus so the legs could hang down right and i think that was really surprising that the student was able to be generative in a way that wasn't assigned uh, but it was sheerly based on inquiry um, and it's those types of experiences that i think are uh really motivating for me to say, well, how do we actually take that experience, package it in a curriculum so that other students can have that exact same experience? Because that's the type of experience that that we want students uh, to be having. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's been really motivating to to see that kind of come to life. That's so cool to see that to to witness that evolution in real time from something where a student will come in and be like, oh, you know, this is this is another form of problem solving too. Wait, no, like. Uh, uh, Bob Ross happy accidents, right? <laughs> to, like, no, I just created this really cool, you know, uh, uh, personified almost item with my own narrative attached to it using yeah. string or whatever material you're using that day. Yes. And there's, I don't know, that, that particular student, there was such an excitement about mm -hmm. that new thing that had been cre created, right? And I think design is always like, we're trying to create the future, the thing that is not yet known. And that student just, you know, out of thin air pulled the octopus knot, right? And that that knot could be codified in a knot, a knotting book, right? So that other people could make it if they, they wanted to. If anything, they produced original design knowledge. Um, and that's really valuable. And that was done by a student that was middle school borderline going into high school right and like that's pretty impressive to to see that kind of design knowledge being produced at um at that at that age sure yeah i mean and also that's that's kind of that value of of having that space to be able to make mistakes as well and you generate that original knowledge through those mistakes um so it's, it's just so fascinating to hear that you know through something that you know, most people outside of the world of design wouldn't consider to be like, oh, hey, this is, this is like, aside from tying your shoes, which, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the interview, uh, you can go into these whole other realms with this process at, at such an early age. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, there are lots of everyday tasks and uh, things that we do that we just kind of do them when we don't think about them in a critical lens. Right. And I think if, this kind of research and not tying is saying, let's take something we we know in our everyday lives and let's put it under a critical lens. Let's think about it in a different way and let's reinterrogate what we know and not to be. Um, that was a, the very kind of outset of this research working with my um, advisor, Derek Ham. He, he asked me the question, well, what is a not, right? And I, and I had to re evaluate, well, what do I think a knot is, right? There's so many definitions of how a mathematician defines a knot, how a sailor defines a knot, but how do I, as a designer, define a knot? So I think uh, it's really moving something from everyday life under this lens of critical, in my case, critical design practice uh, to, to actually see it in a new way so that you can, um, you know, reap the benefits of all its possible combinations um, thereafter. So, what do you see as, as like the final impact? What is the, the, what is your desired outcome for your research through the DDES program? Yeah, I, so I'm a learning designer at the end of the day and I, I care deeply about 
in the programs that I work on that we're delivering quality education to students. It's rigorous where it needs to be. It's fun where it needs to be. Um, but those curriculum elements are really hard to come by. And, you know, my hope is that I'm able to come up with two lesson plans, one lesson plan, some sort of uh, curriculum asset that can actually be shared with uh, with a community of design educators so that um, not tying, if it makes sense for their group of learners, can actually be applied in a way that gets them to some uh, sort of learning outcome that, that they're looking for. So my goal is uh, to create curriculum and share that curriculum uh, with others. And then, uh, you know, I think the, the component that's squarely in the DDES space is documenting what that looks like, being rigorous and how we're testing it, understanding uh, it from a theory level uh, as to what's going on when we're designing uh, this asset and how it's being moved into the world. Um, so I think together, those are the things that I hope that, you know, one, I'm able to share curriculum, but I'm also able to do that in a way that is documented uh, so so that people can understand its effectiveness or ineffectiveness um, at the end of the day. And we, uh, we understand that from for the benefit of design education as a whole. Jonathan Williams, thank you so much for, for sharing your experiences and, and uh, everything that you're doing to really sort of shape how fundamental design education is seen and how it's approached. Uh, really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, happy to, to be here and to have the chat. I hope that folks uh, touch their uh, shoelaces a little bit different after hearing this and uh, think about the possibilities that, that that holds. Before you go, the College of Design is gearing up for the Doctor of Design Symposium on August 20th. The symposium features discussions and presentations around the topic of inclusion, equity, and justice in design research. Information on how to attend can be found on the NC State College of Design website, which is design.ncsu.edu. And one more thing, we would love to hear from our listeners. Is there a research-related design topic that interests you? Let us know by sending us a message on any one of our social media platforms. Our handle is at nc-state-design, all one word. Until next time... This is Design Life.